Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Whew, what a difference a day makes. 24 little hours. Uh, that probably wasn't the greatest uh, intro. Uh, I'm not a very good singer, Matthew. Uh, I hope you didn't mind my little <laughs> a little rendition of <laughs> the next 24 little hours. But you know what? 24 hours later, uh, I think we're a lot happier with the performance as they beat the Kings 116 to 100 tonight. Yeah, I feel better. How about you? I mean, what a, what a way to finish that game for the Suns. Seriously, like... Whatever I said yesterday, I still feel a little bit that way. But now, I mean, it makes sense. Everyone was very happy at the end of the game. Booker was happy. He looks very unhappy most of the game, but he seemed happy at the end when they actually pulled away. He must think it's going to be this way every game, and that's why he was very happy at the end. <laughs> well, when you when you win, you typically are happy. So I understand where Devin Booker's coming from there, but it wasn't really looking that positive in that first half. And obviously these are things that we're going to get into and talk about in the sun's jam session post game show here. Uh, but it was nice to walk out of San Francisco or San Francisco, Sacramento, splitting <laughs> both of those games against the Kings. It would have been nice to go two and oh, it definitely would have been pretty shitty to go. Oh, and two. So I'm glad that we're at least coming home with a two and one record. Yeah, it was basically which team would get tired, which team would not have their legs at the end, and it was Sacramento. They just almost gave up. Fox got into foul trouble. That helped the Suns a lot. But besides that, they were just kind of getting sloppy at the end of the Kings, and the Suns really pulled away because of that reason. And plus their defense just kept up all game, giving up only 100 points to the Kings. So that's nice to see. Yeah, big time. Great great job by the Suns. Uh, thank you to everybody who is joining us live, whether it is on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We truly appreciate it. Taking a look at some of the people who are out there and some of the, the fun comments that come in after a victory. You got, you know, uh, Adam Isbell campaign. Uh, we're going to be talking yeah. about him. Chris J, Frank the Tank, dropping dimes. It's great to have him back. Uh, Coda Kid, first half was horrible. Yes, completely agree, and that's something we will discuss here momentarily. Uh, we've got appreciate Sutton uh, to 100 tonight. Yeah, I feel better. Uh, you know, and that's that's what this is about. We feel a lot better tonight than we did this time last night. So thank you, everybody, again, for joining the show. Remember that you can follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can listen to the show on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network where you can rate, subscribe, and review. And if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe and please hit the like button. You can eight and dunk the like button, if you will. We had <laughs> with the algorithms or something. Um, and if you would like to be on the show tonight, 
if you want to you want to come on and give us you know either give a question for me and Matthew or give your point of view on the show, simply go to Twitter at Suns Jam is our Twitter handle. DM us and just let us know that you want to be on. We'll send you a link. We'll see if we get a couple Jamster listeners on here to talk about the Suns' victory tonight over the Kings. Uh, I'm gonna have a celebratory beer as per usual. So cheers, Matthew. Enjoy that. Right. Enjoy that. What's up? No, I do not. Sorry. Well. Let's uh, let's pop them open if you got them, and let's talk Suns, baby. So the Suns go into Sacramento and split a back-to-back against the Kings, winning tonight by a score of 116 to 100, Matthew. And one thing I want to do is start with one burning question. And I was I was trying to come up with a good question for you as I as I was trying to think of, you know, is it the coaching adjustments? Do you, do you think it's um the way that Devin Booker played in the second half? And I actually saw one in the chat and I want to give a shout out to Zybold97, and here's a great burning question for you, Matthew. If you need to choose one to keep, which would you pick, Aiton or Bridges? Oh, I know what Booker would choose. It'd be Bridges. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, yeah, it would definitely be Bridges. I mean, this is two out of three games where he's really been consistent. I mean, last game he didn't do too well points-wise, but he's still there being scrappy and stuff. But besides that, he came back out tonight and I feel like just when he has the three going, the, the rest of his game is flawless. It opens up everything else. And I've said that before. It really does. It's not just because he's knocking them down, but he just is respected on the, by the other defense. And it just opens so much for him to do. Uh, stealing the ball away, you know, running the fast breaks, getting some easy layups. He was doing all that tonight. Those are things that he can just do for your team and turn things around. But yeah, if I had to keep one, uh, it would be Bridges for sure. Uh, nothing, no, no knock on Aiton, I guess. But uh, just Bridges is the better player right now for the Suns, more consistent. I'm, I'm keeping them both. What do you think? Can. I'm keeping <laughs> yeah, them both too. Yeah, I guess. Bridges, it's it's really interesting to watch Bridges, and I know it's only three games into this season, and there is a long way to go. We still have 69 games until this season ends. But in this short time since the bubble, and even from the bubble until now. The, the growth of Mikael Bridges is really something to admire. As, as you mentioned, his game is really complete. I mean, he can hit the outside shot. He can play unbelievable defense on anybody on the court. I mean, he could be down on the block and change the shot of somebody trying to go up and you know do a layup. He can uh, adjust the shot of somebody who's shooting a three ball uh, for, and everything in between. He stays in front. He's long. And you see him on fast breaks have the ability to just get the ball and lay it in to hit mid uh, uh, mid range shots to hit that three ball. His, his shot is like, yeah. smooth. I mean, he really is becoming a complete player and quite possibly the second best player on the sun. Now, again, I'll preface with that with this is three games into the season, but to see Mikhail take that jump from year one to year two, and now year two to year three, it's the same jump you wish Deandre Ayton was taking. And he's just lagging a little bit further behind at this point. I feel. Yeah, definitely. But also for the centers, it it does take a while. It really does, especially when you have a new point guard come in. Uh, you have Jay Crowder coming in that shouldn't affect too much, but you just have new players to adjust to as well. I just think for the bigger guys, it's a little bit different. And I think that the expectations for Aiden just weighs on his head more than what Bridges it would for Bridges. But for sure, I think Bridges is just, he's playing outstanding. I mean, 22 points tonight. 
I think he can really get it going once the defense kicks in and then those threes are dropping, dude. He is just unlimited. I think for Aiden, too, as well, if we're not going to keep him, I don't know. <laughs> I, no, we're, I not, think, we're not selling off DeAndre yeah, in the third game. I'm just joking. I think just for him to be consistent in the game, he didn't get in the foul trouble, but he still only played 29 minutes, maybe just because of the back-to-back. But besides that, I mean, you really got the full game from Aiden. He had kind of a lot of opportunities down low. I feel like they gave him the ball a lot. A lot of the stuff really didn't fall. What did he go? What was the field goal? What was he, 5 for 11? I mean, mm-hmm. that's not really Aiden-esque. Aiden is very efficient down low. He just yes. did not get that going today. Um, but it was nice. He got a lot of touches. I think the 11 shots was was good. He could have probably had more if he played maybe another eight more minutes. But we got what we needed from him. He was doing his job. He didn't really have any too many mess-ups. A little bit of fumbles underneath the rim from passes. But besides that, I mean, it was pretty solid from him. I can't really complain. Well, and I think, you know, talking about DeAndre Ayton, right off the bat, you could tell that – Monty Williams put together a different game plan, knowing that the previous night against the Kings, Aiden didn't have a really good game. Now, granted, he was in foul trouble. He had uh, a really choppy first half, really started to exert himself in the second half and in that fourth quarter, but still the touches weren't there. I believe he had a total of five shots against the Kings last night. Whereas tonight, as you mentioned, he had 11 shots, but a lot of the offense was running through him often and early. And and kudos to Monty Williams for recognizing that you need to get this young man some touches early and often. Uh, He even hit an early three ball. And I thought that was a good sign of things to come. You know, an opportunity for him to stretch the floor and to make whoever is guarding him, whether it be Rashawn Holmes or Hassan Whiteside, make them respect him when he's out there further away from the basket. Uh, I, I, I think the thing that really changed Aiton's game today was the fact that he didn't have cornrows anymore. Matthew, we saw a cornrowless Aiton and he looked better. Is that weird? Yeah. But actually when you're looking at the stat line, it's almost the same from last night. (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah. he had like two more points from last night and like the same amount of rebounds. So it's just the effort, I guess, that we're seeing as a difference. And maybe the win, of course, too. But there's not too many plays where you're just like, come on, Aiden. It was basically more consistent. He did mess up just a little bit. But besides that, I mean, he just all around just played a lot better than last night. Again, it's 24 little hours. What a difference a day makes. Because to your point, mm-hmm. it is a very similar game. But because the outcome is a 16-point victory versus a three-point loss, Nobody's going to be riding DA for his effort. You know, again, he did what he's supposed to do. 15 boards, three offensive boards. And that's something that I really am putting a lot of stock in and value is a little bit at the beginning of the game, he was not getting any offensive boards. He would just, after a shot was up, he would turn around and, and start headed back uh, on the defensive end. And mm-hmm. I saw him start to, it was right around about the middle of the second quarter, DA was starting to put in that time on the glass, trying to get those extra possessions. And that's where his true value is. He He's a big, he, you need him on the boards. You need him creating second chance opportunities for your team so they can, you know, score more than the other team. That's the whole point of the game. So again, 11 points, 15 rebounds uh, with 12 defensive rebounds and three offensive rebounds for DeAndre Ayton tonight. Only two personal fouls, had four assists. All those four assists came in the first half. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was kind of interesting, something that uh, was said on the broadcast today, was talking about the way that DA is really needs to learn the line between foul trouble and effective fouling. It seems like we get either... Aiton's in foul trouble and he's out early and he needs to learn to play with fouls or he's not fouling guys enough. And it's like, I feel like tonight was kind of a good balance. Two fouls, you know, if he ends with three to four fouls by the fourth quarter, I think that those are effective fouls and something that I wish he'd use a little bit more when he's going against the likes of Hassan Whiteside and Rashawn Holmes, guys who can't really hit free throws. 
Uh, again, just a- another critique on DeAndre Ayton's game. But at the end of the day, he didn't cost us a game, but he definitely helped us win it. And that's what's important. Yes, yeah, so Blaze Megatron, I believe it was just the hair. So now that the cornrows are gone, which I did not like, he is playing much better, dude. That's I'm what sorry, we were saying my, last night. Yeah, and my screen keeps going dark, and I don't know what it's doing, dude. I got to figure this out. I have to call yeah, Best better, Buy ITT Tech, or what is you, it called? ITT Tech. <laughs> Someone to come over and help figure this out, dude. I don't know. What's, what we'll what do anyways, for Christmas, sorry. we'll get you a new webcam. That's what it is for go. me. It's a I new used to webcam. be a cam girl, so I'll go back and dust <laughs> those things off. Well, just just uh, your your only your only fans page. You just need to post more on there, and you can generate the funds necessary to get a new um, yeah. camera for you there, bud. Speaking of cams, uh, <laughs> speaking of cams, uh, perfect, perfect segue. Both Cam Johnson and Campaign again, absolutely vital to the Suns' success tonight. You look at Cameron Johnson, twenty-one uh, minutes played, seven for nine from the field, including three for four from downtown, four for four from the free throw line which is something that I've been harping on a little bit is the Suns' ability to get to the free throw line. Yeah. He had a plus 25 as he scored 21 points off the bench and campaign in 20 minutes had a plus 26, although he only had seven points. How vital are both of the cans to the success of this team? Oh, very vital. But it's funny because campaign, like he, he sometimes won't put up the offensive numbers, but it's early season, but he, he drew some big fouls. One got taken away from De'Aaron Fox, causing De'Aaron Fox to get a fifth foul was another player on the Suns. But besides that, he, he drew two fouls on Fox. And it was very simple of him just to like to switch over to the left side where Fox loves to drive. EJ pointed that out. And it's just yep. he was very sneaky on that. And the, you just forget about how good his defense is. Javon Carter is gone. He's lost at sea. I don't really know what he's doing anymore. But it doesn't matter because we have our backup point guard right now in campaign who can light up offensively if he needs to get to the rim shoot from three play great defense you can't ask for much more dude he's really running that second team offense even when booker's in the game it's great cam johnson this is the cam johnson game 21 points this is the game that we were waiting for this first game was pretty good last game wasn't too great but this game is the one that he helped Suns get over the edge i know the Suns won by 16 but it was that momentum from him draining those threes what do you go three for four from three which is yeah. perfect getting to the rim doing what he wanted getting the mismatches he was really unstoppable in every way, and I, I love to see it. So we'll see how he brings it to the next game. I just hope we see it more consistent. But I, this is the first campaign of the season, or the Cam Johnson game of the season. Well, and it's a point a minute for him. 21 points in 21 minutes. That ties a career high for Cam Johnson. And these are things where you look at the Dallas Mavericks game. Both Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson had great games, and we won. You look at the last game, Cam Johnson wasn't as great off the bench. Neither was the whole the bench in its entirety. But we kind of go as Cam Johnson and McHale goes. So you had three scores tonight with 20 points. You had McHale Bridges leading all scores with 22. You had Cam Johnson with 21, and D-Book had 20. And yeah. when that when that yeah. happens, great things are going to happen for this Sun squad. And it really was that third quarter, man. I mean, I'll go over my, my notes a little bit from the first half. Uh, the early minutes for Frank is something I wanted to talk about. The fact that this is another money adjustment, whereas – uh, DeAndre Ayton was getting in foul trouble in the in the game against the Kings yeah. last night, and you brought in Damon Jones, who was a walking foul. 
So the foul troubles just continued. The choppiness of the game continued. And, and clearly the Phoenix Suns are a team that needs to have a good flow to their offense. So you have to kind of avoid fouls on the defensive end to break that up. So what did he do? He brought in Frank Kaminsky. And Frank had a very nice game. He came in and and you look at his, his total box score, 11 points in 19 minutes, 5 for 10 from the field, made a three-pointer, uh, had a couple rebounds and a couple assists. And he he smoked Damon Jones like Damon Jones, yeah. dude, dude, you lost your backup spot at the center based off of what Frank did tonight, even though Frank isn't great. And, he, and he's and he's fumbling, bumbling, stumbling down the lane when he tries to take it down there. He yeah. does have a little bit more affinity to not foul the opposition, but also stretch the floor a little bit, knowing that he can shoot. You can't have Hassan Whiteside stand in the block the whole time waiting to swat anything that comes down there. What were uh, what were your thoughts on Frank? Man, the Frank Kaminsky revenge game of the of the Kings yeah. never existed on the team, but he he came out to let him know, hey, you let something good by slapping his butt and walking away. I I think letting something good I, there go. I meant, but anyways, I think that it got it was a lot of fun. I think that towards the end when the Suns pull away, it's all fun for the Suns, especially Frank Kaminsky knocking down threes, getting getting to the lane and hitting little jump hooks over little guys, yeah, and barely getting layups to go in. That's the Frank Kaminsky we love, and when it's garbage time it's fun uh, you know if we have to rely on them too much and in, in close games it's not going to work out but when it when it happens in crunch time we're, we're not going to look forward to that but this this game was perfect for frank to come back and get his feet underneath him i love it dude 11 points is perfect for him and the amount of minutes he played over damon jones damian jones only had i say damian i think it's, it's damian i'm sorry damian jones only had one one minute i mean it was basically yeah. it was just it was enough garbage just, and i love that for monty it's just like no, I'm not going to do it again this game. This game might come down to the wire again. I can't waste any minutes, so give it to Frank. And Frank really pulled it off tonight. It was nice to see that, and it's nice to see all the chatter going on in the chat. Remember, if you are watching uh, on the live stream, we appreciate it. Make sure that you subscribe to uh, our YouTube channel and hit the thumbs up button. We appreciate it. Uh, and you can follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to be on the show, go ahead and DM us and let us know via Twitter because uh, I'm seeing some great comments in there. I got to bring up this one by Chris J via YouTube. He says, this isn't the Frank of last season. Frank last season made my butt pucker so hard it kissed the back of my belly button. <laughs> and there was a lot of Frank Kaminsky moments like that last year. Not yeah. so much in the front half of the season, but when right before he got hurt about last January, there was a lot of those just really ugly threes, no defense whatsoever. You even saw a little bit in the bubble when he came back. Now, granted, this is game three of the season, and we've only seen you know probably about 20 total minutes of Frank between last night and tonight. But I'm, I am seeing somebody yeah. who is a lot more comfortable within the confines of this offense and defense. And again, if, if he's coming in and spelling DeAndre Ayton, you know you have an offensive – guy in there versus a guy who's supposed to bring defense and that is Damon Jones who is uh not doing that as Iverson vlog says in the chase is Damon Jones last night uh, when he was swatting at the ball in the air it looks like he was swatting a fly like there's no control body control when it comes to Damon Jones and again I think that it's time to kind of retire him for a little bit if he can come out and give you some quality defensive minutes without getting the fouls and and messing up the flow of the offense that's a plus but We'll see how Monty, you know, utilizes that moving forward. But I really think that this was a great Monty adjustment to just go, you know what, Damon Jones is not going to get the minutes tonight. Those minutes go to Frank. Yeah, dude, it, it's great. I mean, you can't hit on every signing from James Jones. I mean, Damian Jones was one of the last signings he had to add to the, to the roster. 
we didn't know what we we're gonna get. Now you see him on the court. You can see, see he's undersized, really, to go up against anybody, especially his on Whiteside again. So maybe there'll be some minutes for him down the road, someone more simple to play against. I don't know, but I mean, it's fine because if Monty's not playing him and wasting minutes, I'm all for it. Yep. Um, that's one thing last year, like you said, it's just we had to get over that, and I feel like Monty's done that quickly in the third game here. Yep, abs- absolutely. If you look at uh, campaign. Javon Carter and D book were in the lineup for the first time altogether. We saw a little bit of that in the preseason. They did that. I believe it was the back end of the first quarter, the beginning of the second quarter. And that was the Suns had a little bit of a surge there. Now, again, a lot of that I think really comes from campaign the way that he brings his intensity, but knowing that you have campaign who can effectively run the offense. I mean, you don't need him to be an amazing, you know, you don't even be Chris Paul but you need him to bring that defensive intensity. Then you have Javon yeah. Carter at the two and he's going to bring the defensive intensity. And then you have Booker playing the the three. I think that that's something that I saw once in the preseason. I was kind of excited to see, and it, it didn't garner a lot of time or minutes, but it was something that again, Monty is starting to make those adjustments and trying out those different lineups, knowing that he has the versatility and it's nice to see that as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Javon Carter did get minutes in um, <laughs> in garbage time, which was nice to see. I finished with the five points. <laughs> I'll never let that one down. My my future backup point guard. But uh, someone did bring up in the comments um, Halliburton, dude. Like Halliburton actually did look really good, uh, yes, a lot better did. than the first game we saw him play against the Suns. Um, so uh, those things do hurt a little bit, especially with Jalen Smith being out. I mean, we didn't even mention that Jalen Smith sticks late scratch. He didn't yeah. make the line. The, the final roster cut for today or whatever but anyways he he didn't play so i wanted to see more from sticks i hate that because it's such a young guy and you want to continue to see him improve and if he's not on the court it just kind of hurts that in a way right absolutely i mean it's the same thing with deandre Ayton and luka Doncic. you know every time you hear a notification on your phone from bleacher report and it's oh luka hit a three-pointer and you're like oh oh did was it a buzz oh no he just hit a three-pointer like they got to let me know on my phone that he did something <laughs> you as a suns fan you want da to be the right pick so you want him to have, be a monster. And again, that's why there's so much weight to DeAndre Ayton and his performances night in and night out because we want him to be great because we want James Jones to have made the correct decision or Ryan McDonough with James Jones as the assistant. The same, same thing is going to happen with Halliburton and Devin Vassell for the next you know X amount of years. Those are two guys who were on the board and the Suns had an opportunity to draft and they chose to go with Jalen Smith. So Suns fans, we are in Jalen Smith's corner, and when you go up against games against Tyrese Halliburton, you want Sticks to be the better player. You want that decision to be fortified. Unfortunately, we didn't get an opportunity to do that tonight because Jalen Smith was that late scratch, as you mentioned, and Tyrese Halliburton looked good. And you know, One thing we didn't do last night, and I think we should do tonight, is talk a little bit about this Kings team. I think last night we spent a lot of time talking about the Phoenix Suns, uh, what their opportunities were, what their deficiencies were, what their challenges were, and what their successes were. But we didn't talk enough about this Kings lineup, which is a team that is young and is they're going to be pesky. And they're going to be a team that, you know, the Suns have been in the lottery for 10 years. The only team that's been in the lottery longer than the Suns are those Sacramento Kings. And they have a really good squad. I'm, I'm a fan of the Kings outside of the times that they play the Suns. They're a team that never has really hurt my feelings in the past. So I've never really have, I don't have any animosity towards them like I do the Lakers or the Spurs. But tell me, you, do you want to go through, through some of those names and, and give me your thoughts on them? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they deserve it. I mean, they they played very well, and they might surprise some people this year. Like EJ said, they're they're really underrated. They have a good team together. They played together for a long time too. It's I think it's three years really. The core Bagley's been hurt kind of, but Fox has been there. Buddy healed. Like those are that's the core there. It's a pretty good core. And De'Aaron Fox didn't get to play a lot tonight because of foul trouble. But besides that, he's a very good point guard, a guy that we wanted for the Suns. Yep. I wanted Josh Jackson. You wanted De'Aaron Fox. Look how it worked out. But, uh, <laughs> but besides that, I mean, they got to, I mean, who do you want to bring up first? I mean, Rashawn Holmes, he, he's the perfect, I think, center, right? For, for, no, that, team. for, for that team. Yes. <laughs> yeah. he, he's a great backup center. I mean, the role that he played for the Phoenix Suns was the perfect role for Rashawn Holmes. Like he's not a starter, yeah. but he's a definite come in energy guy. Pesky He's going to out hustle any second teamer that there is, you know, when he goes up against the first team, really good centers in this league, Deandre Ayton hopefully would be one of those, but you look at the ADs, the, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's, those are guys who are just going to box him out and throw him around. But from a hustle standpoint, he's the ideal backup center, right? No. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, the thing though, that troubles me is Bagley just reminds me of kind of like a, uh, an Aiden in a way to where he's still trying to prove himself a lot too. And I think he has a really high upside. He was actually my most improved, uh, candidate player for this year. I thought he would really come out. I mean, it's early in the season, but he has a lot to offer. I think he can be really unstoppable on the offensive end. Once he finds his groove back, maybe it's a little bit in the head because he's been injured. So he needs yep. to get his feet under. I say that a lot, getting his feet underneath him. Um, but that has a lot to do with it. But I think he's a guy that can maybe be an all-star. They have some all-stars. Like Darren Fox can be an all-star. Darren, so Fark, Darren Fox Darren is farts. definitely <laughs> – Darren Farts and yeah. Fox can definitely be an all-star at one point. That's yeah. without a doubt. Buddy Heald has a chance to be it too. I mean, he is an offensive firepower that is unmatched. You know, uh, Devin Booker and him were kind of going at it, and Buddy Heald typically will win that one. I mean, he only ended with 17 points and wasn't as efficient, but he played a really good game yesterday. Uh, but De'Aaron Fox is obviously the core of the Kings. They know it. They re-signed yeah. him to, to the max deal they could. I think that Bagley is just an unfortunate set of circumstances for him with the injuries because the guy has the talent. He's the guy who the Suns should really be comparing when they look at their pick of DeAndre Ayton in that in the 2018 NBA draft, the, the Luca talk needs to go away because it's a different kind of player. It's a ball dominant player who's a who's gonna try to you know create for other people and score. Whereas you look at the bigs in that draft, the guys that they need to be talking about are Buddy Heal or I'm, I'm sorry, Marvin Bagley and uh Mo Bamba was in that draft, right? Number five yeah, pick for was, Orlando. Yeah, so yeah. those are those are kind of that and Jaron Jackson Jr. Those those guys are the guys who DeAndre should be compared about, in my opinion. And we should we should really focus on that moving forward. And Bagley's one of those guys who, if he stays healthy, he has an opportunity to be good because he's got a little really really good fundamental basic skills. I think that he yeah. knows how to rebound. Technically, he's technically sound. He's got a good jump shot. Uh, he just hasn't had an opportunity to really showcase that. Didn't have a great game. Didn't have a great series really against the Suns right now. Five for thirteen from the field. That's not something you want from your power forward. Eleven total points, but he had eight boards, no offensive rebounds. So good job, Suns. But. uh <laughs> But again, I think that there's a lot of really good players on that team. I just think that the Suns had the ability to play better than them. They, in all honesty, I think we played better than them in both games. If we just hit a couple threes last night, it would have been a completely different game. 
Yeah, that is the difference. I mean, we harped on it so much last night about how just the threes didn't fall, and they fell tonight. I mean, that's really just the difference. But it was just a consistency in the end for the Suns in the fourth quarter pulling away. I feel like they kind of got a little bit too comfortable there, and the Kings kind of made a push, but then they just held them off. I mean, the Kings did get tired, but besides that, the, the Suns were just so focused on getting that win. They just really wanted to make Devin Booker happy and not throw the ball against the backboard a couple times against yeah. the game. Let's I think talk he's, about I think that real quick. Upset. I think something happened with him and Kendall because he just he reminds me when I was at work and something would happen with like the other lady I'm with or something, and I would just be upset throwing shit around off the backboard. I don't like that's how I would handle it, right? Well, yeah, it's like 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 Booker's grumpy, but no, yeah. like I, I I've gone to work after a breakup and you're just kind of a grumpy individual. And I don't yeah. know what's going on outside of Booker's life. He's a very secretive guy and doesn't really like to be in the limelight and kudos for him. But at the same time, like seeing that play at the end of the first quarter where he chucks the ball off the shot clock because the time ran out, like that's not something a leader does, right? Like you can get frustrated, but there's probably more productive ways to express that, right? <laughs> express that frustration. Then chucking the yeah. ball and just hurry around and walk yeah. into the bench. I like even yelled at somebody on the court, like, hey man, look at the clock, or or provided a leadership or or, or coaching moment. He just threw the ball and walked away. So yeah, he's yeah. kind of grumpy yeah. right now. Yeah, there's a lot of times you see him too when someone will mess up for the Suns and he kind of heads to the bench, kind of looks like he's complaining about what is going on. Like, hey, did you see that? Why is this happening? But maybe I'm on the other side of things because sometimes when you look at it from the outside, you're like, what's wrong with Booker? But maybe it's someone else. Maybe Aiden is the bad guy. Maybe there's something else going on inside the locker room that we just don't know, obviously. But there's, just, there's something that's just strange. It's like early in the season, Suns are playing pretty decent. Last game, they sucked. But this game, they fought hard still and pulled away. He seemed happy. But just the process of getting through a game, it seems very, very hard for him to not throw a fit or just be very upset. Maybe he's just an intense player now, more intense than last year to where all his focus is just on the floor and not towards his teammates. Like it's just basically like me and the ball and I'm going to facilitate the ball, but basically like in a Kobe way, it's like, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to be upset about it. I'm going to throw a little tan, not a tantrum, but throw a little oh, fit, just a tiny a, one. It's a micro tantrum. I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. LeBron James does it too. A lot of the great yeah. ones do where, yeah. If something's not going right, they're going to be frustrated, and I'm okay with that. I want Devin Booker to be upset if this team isn't operating to the level that he expects because at the end of the day, he's the guy we want to keep happy. Now, don't get me wrong. I want Mikel to be happy too because I'm really falling in love with this guy. Uh, I'm kind of pissed I didn't get one of his jerseys as of yet. You know, No one got me a Mikel jersey for Christmas. A little Sorry. upset with me about that, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, there's always next year. But at the same time, he's going to be the guy who's going to be doing that, if you will. He, yeah. he, he's your best player. From a talent standpoint, I think that there's probably, again, more productive ways to express those frustrations, but I'm not going to be upset with him doing that. What I am going to be upset is when his performance is falls in line with that and he's getting pissed at people, even though he's not playing well. And I think that was where that moment that occurred was a little bit of a frustration point because he didn't have a great first half. I mean, he had three turnovers in the first half and that's all the turnovers that the Phoenix Suns had. They had three total turnovers yeah. doing a lot better take job of taking care of the ball and Dem Booker had three of them. Now granted, he shored that up and in the in the second half he only had one turnover. Cuz coming into this game Matthew, I don't know if you knew this, but Devin Booker was leading the league in turnovers, dude. Yeah, yeah, he was, but they also did mention too in the commentary that a lot of those turnovers aren't the um aren't his fault they're the teammates faults but it it's kind of like well how come no one else has turned the ball over like him i mean i know he's trying to play make out there besides chris paul so that might be a big part of it too uh but is i mean 
it'll probably go down. I mean, he wasn't too bad in the second half. I think it's just him being adjusted to the other teammates and them adjusting to him, I guess, still. I don't know what it is. It's kind of like when Tony Romo would throw interceptions. It's like, was it the receiver's fault every time? I don't understand. Why always Tony Romo. Why does this keep happening all the time? So it's a little bit of that. But, yeah, um, maybe it is because of the calls. I mean, I saw a comment in there because he's not getting calls in the game. Well, here yeah. you go. Rick Johnson on YouTube. Booker hit the floor a few times playing defense. He got zero calls. I'm pretty sure that's why he was upset with the calls and non-calls. And I think that's a very important yeah. point. What was interesting about tonight was one on the broadcast itself. You had Tom Leander and Eddie Johnson actually talking about the lack of respect the Suns get and the lack of foul calls. And even Leander says, like, I'm not one to talk about the refs. You know, you kind of it, it goes both ways, but yeah. it was noticeable to him. And, and here was what was really interesting is my little brother was over tonight. And he was watching, you know, he's playing fantasy football. The Packers are playing. He's really into that game. And poor him. I'm like, dude, we're watching the Suns game, bro. Sorry. And he's in from California because uh, I'm getting married tomorrow. So he's in he's in town. Oh, well. Yeah. Go to the courthouse. Um, but he, he's like, dude, the Suns aren't getting any calls, man. Like, this is a guy who doesn't watch Suns basketball. He doesn't watch a lot of basketball, but knows how the game is played. And he's sitting there and he was like, the Suns are getting no calls. And it's to the point where the Kings are actually review, like the refs are reviewing calls just to take away fouls from the Suns, like that campaign yeah. play where he stepped in front of De'Aaron Fox. And it looked like a clean play to me. I don't know why they ch- they ended up reversing yeah. that. Like, we exactly. were talking about this the other night. Like, what's the point of even using a challenge? They never call anything. The challenge that Monty used was seven minutes left in the fourth quarter last night uh, to avoid a foul on DeAndre Ayton to get his number five. He didn't touch the guy, and it was a foul, and they upheld it. Whereas tonight, campaign's like, he's there. He beats De'Aaron Fox to the, to the, the point of attack, and the foul doesn't go his way. And it was just... Even in that moment, my it was, it was funny hearing my brother say that. And you look at like Corey J, Corey Joseph uh, loses the ball and it's a foul. Book gets mugged on every take. And it's like you just got to play on player. Yeah, you do. Uh, it is crazy though. I, I don't know when it's going to kick in. You, I would think Chris Paul would be um, a little bit more upset on the court and speaking to the rest a little bit more. Uh, do you still see that? I mean, I don't feel like I see it as much with Chris Paul. I don't know if he's just conserving his energy and not trying to waste it towards the officials, but I don't see him like talking to the officials as much as I thought he would be. Me neither. I thought he'd be a little bit more vocal, and I really haven't seen him start to chew into him. Because, again, Booker's pissed about it, and I think that Rick brought up a great point in the chat. That's a big part of Booker's frustration is he goes down there, he creates contact or gets contact on almost every time he takes the ball there down down the hoop. He's six foot five, six foot six. He's not huge. So that bump is big, and he knows how to finish through that. And it's almost like he gets penalized because he finishes through it. If he had... If he misses that, those layups or those bank shots, they'd call the foul, but he makes it. So like, oh, clearly it's not a foul. Dude, I know. I'm right with you. I I just don't know where you can win, we can lose. I feel like even though the Suns are losing the free throw battle, I don't feel like the fouls and stuff on the Suns have been too bad. Like this game, I thought the refs were kind of okay last game a little bit. I think DeAndre kind of forced himself into some bad situations last last game. But today, I feel like they did pretty good. I don't think, I think they kind of let the teams play even though it's so unbalanced still when you look at the free throw shooting. I don't know when it's going to change. I don't know when the Suns are going to have 15 more free throws attempted than the other team. I mean, that's going to be a great day. Uh, Not as good as your wedding day tomorrow, but it's going to be a great day maybe the second best day of your life (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate that but i think that's a valid point i mean look at it the suns went 10 for 11 from the free throw line whereas the sacramento kings went 18 for 25 and the suns won by 16 yeah so if when that game does happen where the suns actually do get to the line more than the opposition 
we should blow them out because the Suns statistically are one of the greatest uh, free throw shooting teams of all time. Last season, they were the greatest free throw shooting team of all time. And you increase that by adding more shooters to this team. So knowing that that's going to happen in, in sometime in the future is something to look forward to. Cause I still don't, I don't know what it is. I honestly don't know what it is. The Phoenix Suns just never get the calls, man. And you think CP3 being on the team would have an opportunity to create more of that conversation with the refs and open and continual yeah. conversation. But instead, it's just, you know, we'll just keep kind of putting them on the line. And what I found interesting, you know, you look night overnight, okay? On Saturday night, the Kings outshot the Suns from the free throw line by 20. And in this game, it was only by 14, okay? But here, here's what I thought another one of those great money adjustments were. And that was the points in the paint. On Saturday night, the total points in the paint was 62 to 46 in favor of the Kings. Whereas tonight, it was four, it was 50 to 42 in favor of the Suns. The Suns, again, made, made a conscious effort to focus on the paint. And again, when you're knocking down threes, that always helps too. But I made a conscious effort to focus on scoring in the paint and hurting this, this Kings team from the inside out. And it paid off. Yeah, they did. Um, it's still a little bit awkward in the paint, though. I feel like for the Suns, especially DeAndre Aiden down there, it's just it's kind of like unknown land down there. I mean, they they feel pretty good around the perimeter. If the shots aren't going down from three, they still can find good shots. The Suns have the opportunity this year for getting those threes to go. Or, I mean, sorry, to have the opportunity to have those threes wide open. Like they they never had that last year. This year it's a lot. So it's just a matter of fact that they go down. But going into the paint, it's just like, what am I supposed to do in here? Like when a player goes in there, besides Frank Kaminsky, who just owns the paint for some reason now <laughs> since yeah, right. game, i'm just kidding they they just had such a hard time i think it's going to something that they just need to adjust to and the footing and stuff of eight and he'll he'll hopefully improve on that but it's just unknown land for the suns right now but um it, it's incredible dude i feel like we went too far into the podcast kind of without bringing up langston galloway too when i was just thinking about three so i didn't want to forget about bringing him up because he's the fire starter and really got the suns turned around twice in this game, I feel like. Well, th there was a couple different points that were key for the Suns, and I think one of the biggest keys, I wrote this down in my notes, was at, with 523 left in the third, the Suns went into the bonus. That's yeah. where we finally got enough foul calls to where it's like, okay, can we take advantage of this? And from the rest of the third, the Suns went 6-for-6 six six from the free throw line. And we, we only shot a total of 11 free throws during the entire game. So you, you couple that with the 20-5 to five run to end the third, and putting us up 12 at the end of the third. And, and what was part of that? Langston Galloway getting that four-point play. Cameron Payne yes. creating defensive ha havoc. And watching the Suns play defense to generate offense and for them to execute on that end. And again, the fire starter, Langston Galloway. This guy, uh, a fantastic pickup by Monty Jones. 14 minutes, nine points, three for four from the field, two for three from uh, beyond the arc, a plus five overall. But again that four point play was really big. Cause at that point the Suns were up, I believe one. And after that, yes. that four point play, we went up five and it was kind of game over at that point. It was, it was cause he, I don't know what it is, but he'll just, he'll be ready to shoot. He is just ready to, to catch and shoot. He does not give a shit. And the best part is when he's in the game, the Suns will give him the ball right away. That is the best part. Like they don't waste time getting him started. Cause once he's in the game, it's like, no, find this guy right away. Don't let him get in. I don't know. That's the way to get him in the rhythm. Of course, is just have him shoot, but other players will come in and it'll take them time to get into the game and get their shot up and stuff like that. But no, this guy comes in likes in Galloway and he's unstoppable really from the corner, especially those, 
he has it's it's an art for him really to get those four point plays. I feel like this is the second one I think we've seen this year, right? I don't know if he yeah. completed the four point play the first time, but we're gonna see that a lot this year. We've never seen that for from a son really the four point play. We we've done it. We on the defensive end, we've been a part of those, but offensively, I don't think we've really had a player like Langston Galloway to come off the bench in a long, long time. And this is a lot of fun, dude. Because when the Suns are playing good, you kind of forget about him. And then he comes in, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> like it never stops with this team, dude. That depth is just crazy right now. And that's the key right there is that depth. And Langston Galloway reminds me a lot of Eddie House when he played for the Suns because of his quick release. And that's how he's getting those fouls is he knows how to kick his legs out while he's still putting together this picture-perfect shot that's going to go in nothing but netters. He's done yeah. it twice already, the four-point play. And I, I, it's really nice to see that depth come in and and keep that offensive onslaught going. When you see the likes of Devin Booker and the offensive machine that is now uh, Mikhail Bridges come in, <laughs> To, to see these guys uh, continue to put up those points is, is so yeah. vital to our success. That is what's been a trouble for the Suns for numerous years is they don't have the ability to have sustained offense. When you have Langston Galloway, with, when you have campaign who can not only score but dictate the offense, which again is one of the most surprising things. You know, if, if I might write an article for Bright Side of the Sun tomorrow talking about one of the most surprising things about the Suns so far this year's campaign. But I'm getting married tomorrow, so maybe I'll do it on Tuesday. Or you can steal my idea, and you can write it for Brightside. But I really think that that is something that is very vital. It reminded me of the bubble. Campaign's performance tonight reminded me exactly of the bubble. Right about five minutes left in the third period, the the game's tight. It's kind of going back and forth. The Suns aren't playing up to expectation. And then Campaign comes in with his intensity and his ability to playmake and changes the, the tone of the game. And the team gets behind that momentum and just rides it to the end. And that's exactly what happened to the bubble, and that's exactly what happened tonight. I want to give him kind of my player of the game. We need to come up with like a player of the game drop on here and a yeah. name of it, like a the gemster of the game or something. Yeah, or else we'll, we'll do it like who walks John down the aisle for his wedding award i don't know we keep talking about that but anyways yeah uh but campaign did foul out too which is kind of crazy and surprising but it's harder in minutes dude if you're gonna foul out that way in 20 minutes like that's the way you end it is well, the way he was, he was going back and forth and forcing the issue with him to the point where he was getting you know his peskiness his plus 26 overall and his peskiness annoyed the kings to the point where darren fox was getting fouls i mean he put yeah. pressure all over the court and i just i i really like it I love Rick John in the chat. It. You're getting married tomorrow, and yet you're here talking with us. Absolutely. Go Suns, baby. <laughs> well, what if the Suns had a game tomorrow? What would you do? Who I would wouldn't be- have gotten married tomorrow. I did this on purpose. I knew, trust me, I knew exactly what day it was. All I'm right. like, okay, so the Suns will be coming off a of back-to-back. They play the Pelicans the following day. I can make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, dude. I have uh, Ali Soshi in, or Sohi in the chat. Please talk about Aiden and why you think Jay, Jalen Smith didn't play tonight. Uh, he was just Jalen Smith was a late scratch. I think they said what was a was an ankle strain or something. Know. And it's maybe the reason he didn't play last night because I don't feel like he's a guy well, he, where he, he played last night, but he played only a little bit in the first half. Yeah, something must have happened. He must have tweaked something. There yeah. you go. I love this bicentennial kid yeah. in the chat. Smith had an ankle injury. Yeah, he tweaked something last night, and it's gonna it's gonna take him uh, a couple days probably to get over that. Uh, I know we've harped on it during our first three games so far, but again, uh, no Dario tonight. T- t- no Dario tonight. Uh, no Dario tonight. Again, you felt that a little bit in the first half, and that was again my mm-hmm. question mark coming to this game is how were we going to navigate the five? And Frank Kaminsky really stepped up big as well. I mean, this was a bench game, man. You look at the total bench, the Suns outscored 
the Kings 53 to 42 with, mm-hmm. you know, bench to bench. And that's again, the same narrative against Dallas. The, the, you're starting to see some of these things that need to happen for the Suns in order to win. You need to have a good bench game. You need to have Cameron Johnson and Mikel Bridges play well. You need to have assists. I mean, this team total assists. What was it? What, what are the total assists there, Matthew? Total assists are um, we're here 34. Wow, 34, 34 to, to 34, 21. 21. Yep. And they, they had a total of 46 field goals. I mean, how impressive that that is like the Suns of last year, where yeah. total 74% of all of their possessions uh and, and points came via the assist. I mean, that's just that's what you want to see with a Chris Paul led team. It's the yes. gift that keeps on giving, Clark. Yeah, it's beautiful, dude. And you're talking about Kaminsky minutes were big, but the the effort to not give up only only giving up three offensive boards to the Kings was huge. I know last night they didn't give too many, but they just knew that they had to own the glass and they out rebounded the Kings. This, but it was a group effort. You can see a lot of the times when the the shot was when the Kings were shooting the ball, the Suns would have like four or three of their guys underneath the rim battling to get that ball out of there. It, it was it was all the Suns. It was Crowder, Kaminsky, whoever was in the game. They just had to make sure to get those second chance points out of there. You know, and they did it. And it was it was awesome to watch. They were helping Aiden out a lot. And, and I loved it, dude. Aiden still had the 12 boards, but it was a team effort, dude, for the boards, I think. Well, and that's how you win by 16 points, man, is team effort across the board, team effort, passing the ball, team effort, rebounding the ball, as you mentioned. I just think yeah. that it, it's it's beautiful to see that. It's beautiful to see uh, Devin Booker only score 20 points and we win by 16. I mean, that's that's a sign of a good team. We haven't even talked about Chris Paul. I mean, we're not even we haven't talked about our Hall of Fame point guard who had eight points in 27 minutes, but had 12 assists. Yeah, you know, 12. I mean, this is. What really changed the culture last year was the fact that Papa Ricky Rubio came here and showed the team how to pass the ball and how important it is to, to have ball movement. Because that's where really the Suns, if you look at the beginning of the third quarter, they came out flat and there was a lot of hero ball. It was a lot of, let's, let, I'm going to shoot up a three, one and duns, a lot of passiveness. And once the ball started moving around a little bit, the Suns start scoring. And it's just it's, it's great to see that that culture shifted and Chris Paul's fortifying that. Oh, I love it, dude. But uh, to correct myself really quick, um, Aiden had 15 rebounds. Correct. Sorry, I was saying 12 the whole night. I don't know why. I, wish, I should probably get these stats right before I come live. Well, he, 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 he 12 defensive rebounds. Yeah, 12 well, we, defensive. we go live so quick after these games. We're catching up, too. So yeah, we, we nice appreciate you working with us there. Seriously, yeah. Um, yeah, so what were we talking about? Chris Paul. Uh, yeah, yes. amazing. And it's, it's it's really a sneaky 12 assists, too. You don't really see it too much. Uh, it's kind of the way Ricky Rubio used to have his assists. It's like, oh, Ricky Rubio has 11 assists. I didn't even know. Like, you can't really tell. But you you hit it spot. You hit the nail right in the head, dude. You actually, we haven't said that in a while. We got to bring that yeah. back. Yeah. You hit it right in the head because, honestly, Ricky Rubio was here last year to show the Suns how to pass, and they've been doing that, moving the ball around, but you don't even see the blend of when Chris Paul is here, and he's mixed in that blend to where he's passing the ball around and getting assists. You just don't notice it too much because the whole team is just moving the ball, and it's just it, it's amazing how Ricky did do that with the Suns. I like how you pointed that out because I didn't even think about that until you just brought that up. Well, that's what I'm here for, my friend. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Now, you have to look at it. I found this interesting. The Suns coming into this game had 46 total assists as a team, and they had 34 tonight. So that's 26.6 assists per game now. And that's kind of that number, I feel. When we look at last season, I know I did a lot of kind of looking at the games that we won, the games we lost, and 
every time we hit a, kind of right around that number, about 26 assists a game was kind of the tipping point for the Suns. If you can hit that magical number, they ended up more times than not winning. It's when the ball is stagnant and they're not moving it around that the team doesn't do a good job of you know putting up the most important statistic, and that is a win. So again, uh, it, it's great to see another Suns win. You know that this is very much needed considering – if we're looking forward, the day after tomorrow, we have the Pelicans coming to town, Matthew. We have Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, Stephen Adams. They, they they got a solid team coming in here. Yeah, it's going to be tough, dude. It really is. I think because it's just the West. It's, it's endless. Even this Kings team is going to put up a fight. But when you're talking about Zion and that team really trying to figure things out before Lonzo is traded to the Rockets, um, or James Harden, <laughs> and they're trying to figure it out. You know, I mean, it's going to be a beast down low against Aiden. It's going to be that matchup where I'm kind of excited to watch. I'm not kind of excited. I'm really excited to watch Zion yeah. and Aiden. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, dude. Uh, a lot of veterans too on that team. They're they're looking to win this year. JJ Redick missed the playoffs for the first time, I think, in his career last year. That's correct. And they've got to turn that around. Otherwise, those players will be traded somewhere by the trade deadline. And uh, the Suns hopefully will help that out, help them out and get that trade started. <laughs> you and your your mysterious Pepe Silvia trades. I still don't know where you get your sources, uh, but I don't know if they're correct because I don't think that Lonzo and and James Brandon Harden will be Ingram. traded for each other and Brandon Ingram and all those guys. Yeah. Uh, what the, you got to look at the Pelicans, though, okay? They got a new, yeah. um, new coach, Stan Van Gundy. They yes. beat the Spurs tonight, ninety-eight to ninety-five. They're now two and one, just as the Suns are. And what's interesting about them is, in their first three games, they've held the opposition under a hundred points twice. So this wow. is a team with Stan Van Gundy, who likes defense, is going to try to find ways to shut down this explosive Suns team. I, okay, I won't say explosive. This team that has the ability to be explosive. And I think that that's going to be an interesting challenge. I don't think it's going to be Zion versus Aiton. Zion's going to be playing Steven Adams, a guy who's manhandled him in the past. Who is going to guard Zion? Do we put the warden on him come Tuesday night? No, I think it's just Aiden straight up. I don't think the warden can really do much. Zion, you can't guard Zion. There's certain players in the league where you just can't guard, and Zion's won that guy, one of those players, because he – he can just bounce around and get around people. He can get to where he wants on the court. I mean, he's still improving, of course, second year in the league. But I'm just saying, like, you can't really put anybody. It's not like when Luca's playing against the Suns, you know Mikhail's going to help shut that down. I don't see anybody on the scene that can really stop him. So I think it's going to be Aiden, really. As Coda Kid says in the chat, Aiden, Aiden versus Williamson, and we all know who's winning that matchup. And that's my question. Aiden. If if that's the matchup, then who's taking Steven Adams? Oh, I don't know. Jay Jesus Crowder, I guess. Well, I mean, <laughs> five. It would have to be. Yeah, you're exactly right. Jay Crowder would have to be that guy because Jay Crowder is just the other big body guy that can actually maybe get in front of Stephen Adams. But Stephen Adams, I, I think he's a little bit overrated. I think a lot of people like this guy, but I don't think he really makes a difference. Of course he will when they play the Suns. Yeah, I said that. That's but I don't, that. yeah, I know. He, he, he's, he, you kind of thought when he was playing along Zion, Zion, it would be just a big group of bodies in the middle of the court or in the paint, but it wasn't. It's kind of working out with them. So maybe I'm talking too much about him being overrated, but he he looks kind of decent next to Zion. He does. I think he's a good fit actually next to Zion. I know that the Ringer and and Bill Simmons they kind of dismissed Stephen Adams, but I've watched a little bit of the Pelicans. I have some fantasy yeah. stock in them, and we've talked about it in the past. Uh, we like that squad. I like how they're constructed. I don't know how much they're going to win, but I just I think there's a lot of fun talents. It, they're they're a good league pass team to watch. Uh, Ram Gonzalez in the chat said Crowder on Zion. What do you think about that? 
because I think that could actually be a good matchup. If you put Crowder oh. up on Zion, a guy who's physical and can push him off his spots a little yeah. bit, might be what you need. And, and again, you're not going to stop Zion. The goal is to slow him down. Yeah, you're not. But of course, it's like then who's guarding Brandon Ingram too? It's Mikael yeah, Bridges. Mikael Bridges would have to be that guy, right? And plus, you got the return of Eric Bledsoe, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Bledsoe's coming back to the valley. Oh man, I love how Lonzo <laughs> keeps getting paired with these other point guards. Like, why I do you Lonzo? It's like, let him be the point guard, but whatever. Well, and again, I've watched some Pellies because uh, the nice thing right now, too, is League Pass is currently free through Tuesday. I think, I think the tour, yeah. yeah, 29th is the last day. So, I've watched a couple of their games, and Bledsoe's the bench guy, he comes in off the bench. Zion's okay. playing, um, the the prior, I'm, I'm sorry, Lonzo Ball is playing the primary point guard. Uh, they might have him listed as a starter. I'm trying to think who the two is. Uh, I think like Josh Hart gets a lot of point or a lot yeah, of time. Josh Hart, JJ Redick. So yeah, I don't know. So those guys are interchangeable. Yeah. Ingram, Ingram's been playing the three. Then you have Zion. And what, what I noticed about Zion though, even though I think he went for like 32 and 14 uh, a couple nights ago, is he's somebody who kind of plays like Jalen Sticks has been playing. He has an affinity for the three-point line. He doesn't necessarily crash down on the boards too hard on the defensive glass, which is which would be our offensive glass. So it's something that yeah. you know, he kind of relies on Steven Adams. I think the the key for the Suns as they take on the, the New Orleans Pelicans is going to be our depth. And I, that's going to be what's going to have to – again, I talked about it. What won these two games for us? It was our depth. It was our bench play. It was the fact that our bench could put up 50 points. That's what's going to have to win against these other teams in the West is going to be, you know, they might have an all-star, potential all-star, a guy who everybody in the NBA is all about in Zion. You're going to have Brandon Ingram, who's a max deal guy, uh, and you're going to have Steven Adams banging bodies down low uh, and trying to get DeAndre Ayton into foul trouble, much akin to how the Mavs did on game one and the Kings did last night, not tonight though. And you're going to have to, overpower them with your depth we're going to need those big minutes again time and time again and again that's why the people like langston galloway sir langston galloway of four point land are so unbelievably important for this team to be successful it's yeah that rate in, in the west yeah i totally believe you pelicans only really have like an eight-man rotation it looks like right now so that's something of the sun's old days where you only had seven seven guys playing in the lineup but now we got 12 or 11 or maybe 13 <laughs> depending on the night if don't put in damon jones no, maybe for a minute. I think that's what we learned from tonight. And yes, Coda Kid is correct. We are on TNT come Tuesday night. Yeah, so that game that game will be, be awesome. on at 830 Arizona time. We'll be ending right around 11. And you know that once that game is over, the place to be is right here with the Suns Jam Session podcast. We'll be live after every game possible, which is probably going to be up probably, probably be every game. Right, Matthew? Yeah, every game possible, every game until we just get sick and no one starts watching us. Who knows? But <laughs> I hope it doesn't turn out that way. I have a lot of fun doing this, honestly. And Absolutely. yeah, you guys, you guys can come on. You don't have to be a video chat. You can just like come on, give your take. You can always write it, of course. But if you just want to let us hear your voice, if you're passionate about it, you want to spit into the mic. Yes. Was, yeah, come on the show just for a little bit. We can cut you off whenever we want, but come on the show. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's interested in coming on the show, you got a few different ways to do that. You can DM us on our Twitter account at Suns Jam, and we can send you a link that'll actually bring you onto the show right now or if you have questions you can hit us up sons jam session at gmail.com is a place to hit us up for any questions that are uh, pertaining to the phoenix suns we'll be happy to answer those as well or you can come on and you know hang out in the live chat you know again a lot of great things being said between uh, between our jamster loyals uh, who are 
who show up after every game and enjoy watching yeah. the show with us. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate you. And uh, it, looking forward to hopefully another win come Tuesday night. It's going to be a fun one. Do you know what jerseys they're wearing? Are they going to? It's TNT. It's eight thirty. Is this the first game we're going to see the Valley jerseys? I feel like it's early, like in the season. So I, I'm, I don't know. We'll have but to see. But everybody else has been rocking their city editions and yeah, it's yeah, yeah, classic right? editions. I saw Luca wearing yeah. the the old Dallas jerseys the other day. I'm like, when are the Suns? The Suns have been in the same. We've had three games. They've all been in the white jerseys. Give us yeah. something else. Well, let me just do a quick Google really quick and let someone beats me to that. Someone said, yeah, fucking my late. And someone said, yeah, so never mind. That's not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, City Edition. I don't know. The reveal is, dude, I don't know. I can't find it. I It said on the on the release, the schedule release, but I can't find it. Yeah. I'm pretty oh, sure wow. it's, it's soon, within the next couple of weeks. They can't wait too long, man. Well, this is the ideal game to do it. I mean, like I said, it's TNT. It's our first game on yeah. TNT because we had the one game on ESPN. So hopefully this is the time where we get to see those sweet Valley jerseys. I got one hanging up back here. Like I said, my brother was over. Not a big basketball fan. He saw that. He's like, holy shit, that's awesome. Who's that? Well, that's the Phoenix Suns, baby. That's, who, who's that? Yeah, he's like, who, who dis? He's like, New Jersey, who dis? I'm like, no, not New Jersey, Suns. So, uh, but again, we appreciate everyone for hanging out with us. Uh I think that this beer is almost out, so it's time to go get another one. Everybody, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And above all else, go Suns, baby. Yes, everybody, stay home or go home and love your family. Amen. Take care, everybody. Appreciate you joining the show.